Welcome back into another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eckel. This is episode 52. I'm your host, Carter E. Joining me, as always, is my producer, Jeff Mulvihill Jr. Before we get started with the rest of today's episode, would like to, take, to thank today's title sponsor in Double J Auto NV. You can check them out online at www.doublejautonv.com. Jeff, we officially closed the book on the Fall 22 uh, sports slate. All that was left for us, really, at this point was uh, volleyball, right? I think, did we touch on Carson's cross-country state title last time? And, yeah, that made that was in the paper this over this uh, a week ago and just had two volleyball teams make state. Uh, unfortunately for our coverage area, they were both bounced in the first round, but um, that doesn't take away from uh, the seasons they had. And I guess starting in 1A, look at Sierra Lutheran, who – Ran into a GV Christian. Uh, is it Grandview Christian? I kept looking for it, and I just kept finding GV Christian. So I know there's Grandview Christians elsewhere, which is where my mind first went. Um, anyways, GV Christian went on to win the whole thing. So they swept Sierra. Really, they swept all three matches they played in the state tournament. They beat Sierra Lutheran in the first round, uh, 25-18, 25-9, 25-20. Won their semifinal match, 16-7 and 15, and then ran into Smith Valley in the state finals and beat them 25-21, 25-7, 25-13. So Boulder City just kind of steamrolled everybody. Excuse me, GV Christian just kind of steamrolled everybody once uh, things got going there. So really nothing for Sierra Lutheran to to be too upset about there if you're going to go out in the state tournament, I suppose, losing to the eventual state champs is, uh, is not a bad way to do it, especially, I mean, this is just looking at your set scores here, but arguably the most competitive match GV Christian played in the the entire state tournament was in that first round against Sierra Lutheran. So props to the Falcons for making it to their first state tournament since 2011. I know that was a big thing for those seniors. They were they were pretty jazzed about that um, this past... Jeez, my dates are all mixed up. It's not this past weekend. It would have been the weekend before that when they made it. Um, they lost to Smith Valley in straight sets too. Um, so... Two good teams coming out of the West as far as, you know, falling to the – both teams had their season into the eventual state champs. So a pretty pretty impressive season overall in the, the 1A ranks. It was nice to get out to CC or Lutheran, especially getting to play that regional tournament at home, I know, amongst uh, the, the kids qualifying for state was obviously the biggest one. But <clears throat> to be able to do that on their home floor was another, another huge – Huge accomplishment for them. And then over to Dayton, where they qualified for the state tournament after winning the Class 3A North regional title. They ran into Moapa Valley, who beat them in straight sets in the state semifinals. Uh, Spring Creek, who fell to Dayton in the 3A North regional finals, also lost to Boulder City. So the state finals in 3A was two Vegas teams. Boulder City ended up winning that 3-1. So they are your class 3A state champs there. Um, so Dayton bows out with a state semifinal appearance, but falls to Moapa Valley 25-15, 25-12, 25-18 there. But still caps a good season for the Dust Devils. Um, obviously, making it to state from Dayton High School is, is a big big deal for them. And, um, you know, both Dayton and Sierra Lutheran will lose some pretty impactful seniors after this season. So I'll be curious to see how they bounce back um, next fall. But uh, 
you know, obviously that's a year away. So looking looking at this season, I mean, nothing to nothing to be too shy about there. Those are two two pretty impressive seasons overall, and you know, only one team can win state. So I know that's everybody's end goal, but I think I think you do have to skew expectations just a little bit that it's only possible for one squad. So um, I'm sure they won't be won't be disappointed in their their final results and. Two teams making it to state tournament. More than we can say about um, a lot of our other area sports coverage. And, of course, that turns us right to winter sports, which as of, let's see, if today's Monday the 14th when we're recording this, it was the 12th is when the first day of practice was official for winter sports. So that was this past Saturday. If it says anything to the length of the winter sports season, I'm just sitting here looking at this. First possible sport day for winter sports contest according to the niaa master calendar november 24th my birthday december 26th marks the halfway point of the winter sports season so that is a month and two days after they start the winter sports season and then the first possible for spring sports is march 2nd this year so uh that back half of the winter sports season is loaded uh, <laughs> to 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 uh, leave it otherwise, I don't know if that's. I mean, it's half. I'm sure somebody looked into this a little closer than I currently am. But winter sports season is short, Jeff. I mean, goodness, it. I, I didn't realize halfway was a month and two days. That that surprised me that you said that because it feels like fall is several months, and I realize it's really not. It's it's a few days in August and all of September and October, and then we're kind of done. But yeah, that's when you start putting dates to it in a month. And well, it's funny having having just looked at that uh, the other night. Now I'm sitting here looking at spring, and this first day for spring contest is March second, halfway point April third. So wow. <laughs> it does. Fit, I mean, I know fall sports is definitely the biggest sports season as far as uh, teams and players and so on and so forth. But um, it does seem like those are a little a little quick, just based off uh, dates. Two months. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's that's about all we got at the moment for, for our high school sports slate. Obviously we'll we'll have a lot to talk about next week as things really get going. But at the moment we don't have don't have a whole lot in, in that side of things. Jeff told me specifically he didn't want to talk about the US men's national team, but usually once people tell me they don't want to talk about things, that's we when I start about the whole road cup. That's when I start poking me about the US. <laughs> the journalist in me once you say i don't want to talk about this and well, why don't you, I'll, I'll tell you why. <laughs> why don't you want to talk about it uh jeff i know you're already planning your monday a week from now um you will uh you I have the whole month carter <laughs> forget about monday that's just the first game for the u.s i have the whole month it's already in the calendar i can tell you where i'll be for every game on my couch. Yeah, no. you know the this. Is the, I was I was telling somebody the other day. This is the first time ever in my life, and will probably be the last time ever in my life that I will get to watch a World Cup game on my birthday. The World Cup is always in the summer, and my birthday is oh, in the winter. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, there will actually be games on my birthday this year, and I can promise you, I will be parked on the TV watching. Uh, I would have been even if it hadn't been my birthday, but. When the World Cup rolls around, my whole world revolves around it. So, we might have to get together to watch one of these games. I realize we've we've watched so many high school sporting events together. I want to I want to pick your brain during a professional one because 
Um, there's, I mean, everybody's got thoughts when it comes to the U.S. men's team, especially, you know, uh, the whole not qualifying for the World Cup last year as, <clears throat> I mean, not being a top 32 country when you've got how many people is is a problem in and of itself as far as just national <laughs> representation. It was a wake-up call for sure for the U.S. Yeah. Fortunately. Yeah, so they are in Group B for those of you who haven't checked in on this, which if you haven't, now's the time because it starts starts six days from us taping this Monday morning. It starts Sunday the 20th uh, between Qatar and Ecuador. Do they start? Is it Ecuador they open with? Um, I believe so. You know, I'm not sure how much I want to touch on the podcast about this World Cup being in Qatar. I've been reading it's, a lot about it and there's a lot of controversy yeah i mean it's it's not that it's new controversy it's not new to me i don't think it's new to any any soccer fans but as now it it comes everybody it's it's much more there's much more of a spotlight on all the i mean the list of rules that came out of what you can and cannot do in qatar as a just a person i was reading through the list going you can't be serious. Well, and there's a reason why Seth Blatter is no longer the FIFA president, well, too, despite getting Qatar the World Cup back in, what was it, 2008, something like that. Uh, for those of you who are maybe a little less familiar than uh, Jeff and I with this, there's a great documentary on Netflix. It's a four-parter about about how Qatar landed this World Cup and uh, all the bribery involved, which, of course, FIFA denies. But um, FIFA being one of the more corrupt organizations in in the world, um, sounds like there's quite a bit of money uh, exchanging hands for them to get this bid. But here we are. I mean, and, and they can't change it now. That just the sheer dollars that they've spent to, yeah. to make it, quote-unquote, successful. I mean, they had to build eight of the 12 stadiums they're going to use. Yep. So In six years. And we're talking about a country that's what, 300,000 people when you're not talking about the migrant workers coming in to work on the stadium? So what's this country going to use eight new stadiums for? To host the next World Cup. They're not. Wrong. (laughs) They say this this with the Olympics, too. They put them in these these countries that, you know, I'm sure it's, you know, complete game changer for Qatar as far as, you know, being put into the, the world eye and especially for... Americans who tend to not be as, uh, I guess, literate when it comes to world geography and things like that. But man, it's, some of the stuff just makes no sense at all. And uh, I'll save that for another time because I'm going to get down a rabbit hole of tangent ideas and and yeah. thoughts that I don't really have pieced together right now. But I think I think the world is hoping that the games and the competition itself will overshadow all the nightmare that. <laughs> people might experience while they're there yeah i believe the the believe the term is called sports washing yeah and and i mean looking at the teams there's gonna be some amazing games just oh yeah oh and i I think they'll get their opportunity to to you know it's a world cup so everybody's gonna someone's gonna shine someone's gonna win everybody will be happy and Unfortunately, we'll forget about a lot of this stuff that goes on. Yeah, I was going to say, I'll get to the games here in a second. I don't mean to be a total um, downer here, but it definitely is worth mentioning. And you really can't can't look at this this entire World Cup without at least looking through some lens of the just the cost and the, the detriment to Qatar and the, some of the surrounding nations for them to have this World Cup in the first place. And yeah, I... I got too many thoughts and they're not organized, so I'll, I'll leave it at that. But 
for the U.S., who, as we talked about just before we started, will be hosting next uh, the next World Cup in 2024 or 2026, excuse me. You know, I think this one kind of holds a lot of implications right now. As you said, didn't qualify four years ago. Now you're in it. You're also in a group with England, which I know for for any U.S. soccer fans is a big deal. Um, that and Mexico are pretty much your your two two biggest rivals. I think I would would say. I don't. Would you say there's a big rival between U.S. and Canada men's soccer? Just because given the the proximity and Concacaf and all that, there is now. Okay. Um, Prior to this World Cup, and Canada qualified first. Prior to this, '86 was the last time that Canada qualified for the World Cup. So it's been a long time. Wow! But they have some great players, and our coaches got—he's uh, had tremendous success. Uh, he was with the women's team. Now he's with the men's team. So th- they're going to surprise. I don't. Well, I don't think it's surprise is the right word, but they're going to definitely put themselves on the map for this one. Um, and like we were talking, I'm curious what's going to happen in the next, uh, because we don't have to qualify for 2026. What does that do to our region? Because we have four in the world cup this year, but that was not a guarantee. We have three generally, and then there's a playing game and Costa Rica won the playing game. Mm -hmm. So they're in. So I'll be curious to see what happens in the next round of qualifying, um, because those other countries need to play us. You know, it, it, it helps them get better and and uh, develop uh, against the stronger teams in the region. So I'll be and curious. It makes an easy p- talking point for national sports media when the U.S. loses to Jamaica. Oh, yeah. Huge, <laughs> huge, huge, huge. I know you were kind of saying pre-podcast as well that the two obvious favorites this year are Brazil and Argentina. But when you look at Argentina, that's obviously a team that has not – a country that has not won a World Cup since seventy eight if I'm not mistaken, or 86. 86. Um, The golden era, the hand of God. Yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think, I mean, I know they're they're tied as the Vegas favorite with Brazil, so obviously it's possible, but just how good is this Argentina team compared to some of the previous World Cup teams that you've you've seen? I think the thing this year in particular is Messi. He's coming off of winning the South American uh, tournament, so that's a big deal, and that's uh, under his reign. They haven't done well as a nation, and they just won that that tournament. So that's kind of lifting him up. And apparently, how they're using him is more to his strengths. And the you know the coaches finally got it figured out. You've got all these great players, and how do you make it work? And uh, they they're playing very well. So I think the world is holding their breath hoping for some magic moment from Messi, and generally he delivers. So I think that's what the whole world is kind of putting, you know, and obviously there's going to be a tremendous amount of pressure on the guy because arguably he's one of the best players in the world ever. And it's most likely his last one. Yeah, it should be. He's getting up there in years, and there's talk of him coming to Miami to play, So, um, (laughs) which is interesting. But uh, I think that's the, the world is watching to see if Messi makes something magic happen, and like Maradona did in '86, and and uh, this will be his, you know, the swan song of him. And you know, if he does this, that that kind of that will probably put put him above Ronaldo at this point. So, and I know everybody has got that argument: Ronaldo versus Messi right now. And we're lucky to have them both. But you also have guys like Mbappe from 
France that mm-hmm. are going to want to put his mark on the World Cup as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's those classic matchups of you know obviously Italy's not in it; they didn't qualify. But you know Italy, Brazil, those classic games that have been soccer folklore forever. Yeah, so. who is the who is the one who elbowed McBride in the face back in like two thousand six? Was that Italy? Probably when he they went up and he yeah, took an elbow. I just I was a kid back then, so I'm just remembering my my World Cup uh, experiences. I remember that Landon Donovan goal that clinched them through the, the group stage. We were all together for that one on some morning over the summer. Um, yeah, being in the winter, whole new whole new setup for for them. Part of playing in Qatar because yep. if they did it in June, it would have been like 108 yeah. minimum. Uh, do you have a group of death so far? And I've got all eight on my computer. Um, if you need to need to take a look here, but is there one one group that has has really stood out to you from from what you've seen? I know there's a there's a couple that at least got have a chance at it, but is there one that's kind of like far and away for you that you think is the is the toughest group for the four teams in it? Just looking at it, no. I mean, there's definitely clear. I I think there's clear teams in here but there's going to be some teams that surprise mm-hmm. surprise us um and then and then everybody you know even i have my favorite i love watching the african teams those guys are they're they're amazing athletes you know forget about the soccer piece of it they're just physically and they're i'm awestruck watching them they're so fast they can play so fast um so anywhere where there's an african team they usually wreak havoc on the We've had Cameroon in the past. Senegal did really well. Apparently, Mane is hurt though, oh, so okay. that okay. may be that may hurt Senegal a little bit. But uh, I, I just, to me, I know they call it the beautiful game, but the beauty of the World Cup to me is you get to see, and and it's gotten kind of clouded because everybody plays club together, but you get to see that country and how they think the game should be played. Because you know you, you're working with the athletes that you have, mm-hmm. and bigger, stronger, faster. Some countries are that way. Then you then you look at the Asian teams; they're no less of a team, but they play completely differently. And you know, small little short passes or little dribbles, and and dealing with that and watching those things happen in the World Cup is one of the most fascinating things to me. And and I, that's part of the reason that I've always loved the World Cup. And, you know, getting to see that and, and it doesn't matter what game you watch, something, something different is going to happen. Um, so don't, don't shy away from games that are obscure, uh, like Qatar, Ecuador. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what do I care about those teams? Well, well it's you do the opener. <laughs> well, it's the opener, but Qatar gave us troubles. Ecuador is coming out of South America who is generally Brazil, Argentina, and well, you've got Uruguay, Ecuador. Um, there's there's people playing in California that are on the Ecuador team. Uh, LAFC's got a kid. Okay. So, you know, there's MLS players in those on those teams, so you could see them playing mm-hmm. locally or in this World Cup that's on the other side of the world. So yeah, and that that Group A, I mean, it's usually the. Qatar has not been very good, obviously, like we talked about with it being a, a tiny country, but Group A kind of looks wide open. I mean, obviously, the Dutch would probably be the favorites to, to come out of that, but then between Senegal and Ecuador, I think it's probably a 
a coin flip and, um, and three radically different teams or four radically different approaches to how you play the game. And it, it, that's, what's exciting to me. It's like, okay, what, who's going to show up and, and show us their stuff. And the little countries want to make a name for themselves. This is the way to do it. Yeah. I did not clear this question with Jeff before the, the show. So we'll see how he handles it on the spot. If I don't let you pick Brazil and Argentina, who are the two presumptive favorites who wins the world cup? I, 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 at this point, I've never, you know, I have my favorite because I've been a, a fan of certain teams for my whole life, but I don't care. I, I obviously want my team, and my team is England. So I'm not going to make any bones about that. They've been my team since I was, well, 86 is when I bought my first England jersey. Let's put okay. it that way. So um, I, I, as we get into the tournament and I see the teams play, uh, then I'm like, uh, I think so-and-so is going to win. And usually it's, I mean, the group winners, they're usually f- somewhat dominant. And I don't think, I mean, there's some groups that are going to be down to the wire. That last game is going to matter. And I think we're in one of those groups. Um, you know, between, and it's crazy to say because we've never politically had a good, good uh relationship i'll say with iran but that game is going to be wild it's it's and it's they hate us and it's politically so on the soccer field some of that goes away except they still hate us so it's 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 a world cup um obvious you've got france that's going to be strong uh, germany's generally strong mexico struggled a little bit getting in but they always play well in the world cup they, they pull out something and it's like, well, I didn't see that coming and the rest of the world doesn't see it coming. But the problem is they've done that enough now that the world has said, oh, okay, we know you guys. You know, we, we know that you've got something up your sleeve that you're going to pull on us that we haven't seen before. So I was about to tease you and say that was a master class and completely dodging that question, but uh, you did eventually get, get to Yeah, I, <laughs> I think it's you, you have to fall back on the favorites. Um, and not, no one is standing out as far as a you know they're they're going to be world dominant. I think a lot of the the heartstrings of the soccer world want and the the romanticism of it would love Messi to win. Uh, I mean, the, the, what an exclamation on his career if that right, was the case. Right, so, absolutely. You know, win the World Cup and retire. <laughs> the the retire team I've Miami. been the team I've been reading a bunch about, and I think they're sixth or seventh as far as Vegas odds go. Uh, is Belgium. I'm curious to see what, what they do this year. Um, obviously, that group is Canada, Morocco, and Croatia, so probably a, a group Belgium feels they should win. Um, and like you said, once you win your group, you kind of have a little bit of a leg up. You pl- take on take on a number two in that first that round of 16, and then obviously round of eight in is, is kind of a crapshoot from there. But to get there is, I think, kind of your, your first big step, obviously, the biggest step is getting out of the group stage, but I think to get to that round of eight is is where you go. Okay, well now there's now there's a real shot at every at us winning it, and uh, very curious to see what Belgium does. I don't know much about them other than what I've read, um, so I'd have to defer to smarter people there. But definitely a fascinating look at the World Cup coming up. We will have more on that as. Uh, we go on, um, but I would like to say a big thank you to everybody who's listened to us thus far. I believe this is, as I said, episode 52, which 
marks a year for us with with the podcast so thank you to everybody listening a huge shout out to double j auto nv for sponsoring us uh, throughout the way and uh that's gonna do it for this week we'll catch you guys next week take it easy